It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. E-S-N-Y. Welcome everyone back to another episode of the Knicks State of Mind podcast with your hosts Chip Murphy and Jeff Campbell. Once again, uh, heavy into our draft series. We have two episodes uh, done and done at this point. We have our third one and uh, we are very pumped to be talking to associate head coach for the St. Joseph's Hawks. We have coach John Griffin with us today coach griffin what's going on how you doing guys thanks for having me on um not much is going on outside of the uh name image and likeness situation of college basketball and the transfer portal so i don't have much of a life happy to be talking about jordan awesome and uh yep you know the the player that we're going to be discussing uh tonight is jordan hall uh 6'8 combo guard with a great skill set we're really eager to learn more about him um, the place I wanted to start off is just kind of his origins with St. Joe's University. I, I tried to do my research into his background. We talked a little bit before offline about how he wasn't necessarily heavily recruited. Um, what did you guys see from him in high school uh, that made you think that there was maybe more than meets the eye to, to his skill set and what he could bring to your program? Well, I think uh, there were a couple elements for us uh, that really connected Jordan Hall with our program. Uh, one being Billy Lang had just taken the job and he was with the 76ers for six years prior to taking the job at St. Joe's and had his experience in the NBA um, was, was vast. It went from the beginning stages of the process to, you know, ultimately losing to the Raptors game seven, the corner three that everyone is, is, very much aware of yeah. if they watch basketball at all. Um, and so we were looking for a particular uh, skill set. And uh, in the city of Philadelphia, which is a very competitive, similar to, to New York, very competitive high school basketball scene, um, there's a lot of competition for in the recruitment world. And Jordan Hall's skill set really stood out to Billy and then ultimately his staff, myself included. Uh, he wasn't a highly um, uh, valued guy because he didn't score a lot. Um, he was a six foot six, six foot six and a half forward, more or less, that could rebound, that had a clear instinct for passing um, and making decisions um, as a passer at, at a fairly decent height. So we saw, and, and this is where, where Billy's uh, NBA experience really played into how heavily in, in the urgency in our recruitment with Jordan, we saw a guy that could, you know, essentially do what Draymond Green does for the uh, Golden State Warriors, not from an intensity or physicality standpoint, but more from a rebound, a dribble up the floor, a, a, a enter the ball into the offense, get the, 
the offense moving at a, a certain pace and ultimately become this NBA like, you know, forward guard. Um, and, you know, we, we were very fortunate. The recruitment process didn't take long. Uh, he, he saw our vision. I think our vision was unique as it relates to college basketball is specific to him. I think everyone saw him as a forward and we were going to give him opportunity to make passes, dribble the ball up the floor. And that's really what came natural to him. So uh, he committed in the summer, uh, which was, was again, it, it was very unique because usually recruiting processes take months, some cases, years, and ours took about six weeks. Wow. John, I know after his, Oh, sorry, Jeff. Go ahead. No, no, it's cool. No, cool. Just... Go, no, no, go in there, Chip. Okay. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, I know after Jordan's freshman year, he, uh, he initially announced that he was transferring to A&M and I think he even declared for the draft. And, but then he decided to come back to Joe's. Can you talk a little bit about that process? And yeah. Yeah. Then? I mean, um, Jordan has been around in and around Philadelphia uh, for the majority of his, of his basketball career. Um, and I think he felt towards the end of the year that there were some distractions that were pulling him away from his ultimate goal of being an NBA basketball player. And so, you know, heading into the portal wasn't something that was discussed until the very end of the semester. Um, and, and Coach Lang and Jordan have a very close relationship. So there was a lot of tough conversations that ultimately led to Jordan hitting the portal and uh, simultaneously entering the draft. And essentially what happens, he went through the draft process. Um, having He went on uh, maybe four to six you know, workouts, pre-draft workouts, and then um, had, you know, an NCAA uh, agent that was, you know, compliant. All the, all the boxes were checked for him to return to college, did a workout in front of uh, NBA scouts and was given a great deal of feedback. But one of the pieces that he was, that he was provided was go back and play for uh, the head coach that has been in the, in the world that you want to be in. He's going to continue to provide you with not only the, the scheme that has gotten you to this point, but knowledge that you might not be able to get that will ultimately help you when the draft process comes around again. And he, that, that, that message was repeated to him enough times uh, where I think the NBA draft process, he went through, I think, a little bit of a U20, U19 tryout as well. There was enough separation from what the original distractions in his mind were. And then, you know, he's, he, he connected again with coach Lang and, you know, he, re, he returned. So there was a combination of things that led to him leaving. And then there was a number of things that to his credit, you know, he actually absorbed that led to his return. And, and now he's in a position that he's in. So it, it, it worked out in the end, but it was a, uh, you know, optically, publicly, it was kind of a confusing situation. Yeah, I, I yeah, I just wanted some context on it because it. I, I read the article. I think it was on an A and M website, and it just it was confusing. The whole A and M. Yeah, like, we lost a A and M. It sounded like they lost a recruit, and I was like, oh, I didn't even realize he had committed to A and M. 
Yeah, he he committed fairly early again because I think he was so locked into this draft process, um, and you know because his high school recruitment, he he wasn't one of these guys that was even a three star style player. Um, this all came at him, you know, a million miles an hour. All right. all the um, you know, NBA comparisons. And All of right a sudden, now, he has a lot of attention. A ton from, of attention. Yeah. The mm-hmm. spotlight turned to him immediately. And now, mind you, it was still this COVID year. So we're in this COVID bubble. Uh, everyone's watching the games from TV. We didn't have fans. Philadelphia, similar to New York, very strict uh, with, with the way they went about the COVID response. So there was just a lot going on. You know, wasn't your average year. And as soon as the spotlight and the attention turned to him, I mean, he had some monster games down the stretch for us as a freshman, he had a triple double against LaSalle and for, for Philadelphia natives, uh, the big five is always these really special rivalry and St. Joe's LaSalle game, no matter what our records are, is always going to have some level of intensity that's different than the rest of the schedule. And he exploded. And so his, his he filled the stat sheet and, um, and that's where things got a little confusing for him, but ultimately think we think he made the right decision because at the end of the day six years in the nba is is a lot it's a lot and coach lang's seen a lot of basketball i mean the beginning of the process they they lost 72 games and now to to where they are today i mean i know it's not where they hoped it would be but still you you learn a lot during that time yeah if if Embiid's healthy it's a completely different situation i know it's right really now. a shame it's yeah it really is i mean coach lang and, and joe have a really good relationship and um, he's had this injury before. So as soon as it happened, um, I think Coach Lang's heart broke because yeah. um, it's, it's a tough injury. It's, it, what people don't realize is these bones are so soft. Um, and he, you know, the, the, the first time through, he was out for a, a significant amount of time. Yeah, that's true. And they had to put together this really special, almost Batman-like mask. So this is a tough situation because Joe wants to win for the city of Philadelphia and he's passionate about it. And the timing of it is brutal because Miami is relentless. So. Coach, I wanted to talk a little bit offensively about Jordan. I was just looking at some of his total um, statistics from this past year and comparing them to some of the other combo guards that I think he might be up against in terms of, you know, where he lands and uh, I mean, pretty impressive over 400 points, 200 boards, over 150 assists. Um, when I look at the tape from him offensively, it seems like for the most part, he can get to where he wants to get to on the court um, pretty easily. You know, he loves posting up smaller defenders and in the mid range, he's, he's really deadly. Was that something that he kind of already had um, in his, uh, in his skill set? Or over time, you know, the two years he's been with you guys, is that something that he developed? Um, A combination of both. I think, you know, attacking that question in a couple parts, the posting up element that he provides, you know, for us came a little bit more natural because he's always been taller. And so, you know, high school in general puts the taller players near, you know, closer to the rim. And so he's always had that in his offensive package. Now it's developed to the point where now there's, intricate footwork and getting separation. He changes release point, slight fadeaways. Uh, we at St. Joe's, we, we really focus heavily on pivoting. Um, so there's a, there's a pivoting element that uh, we've really 
ingrained in him that hopefully he'll be able to utilize as he grows and matures. Um, then the other part is he, he, because of the position that he played with us, which evolved, and we, we still originally wanted him to be this guy that rebound, more of a four-man, slips out of pick and rolls, becomes this, uh, you know, maybe they call it second and third side offensive player. Um, we, we had injuries with COVID that really forced him into this point guard role much earlier than we had anticipated. Now, it accelerated his growth. Um, but also statistically he exploded, you know, but in all that, and I say all that to say, as it relates to the mid range stuff, he was defended by smaller, quicker players, you know, so the majority of his career, he's been defended by guys that are usually defending guards, point guards, combo guards, and getting by guys wasn't something that he'd done before in his career. He's crafty enough to get separation, yeah. crafty enough to get into a jump shot, but getting past players is something that he's still working on developing because that wasn't something he did before. And usually he was defended by players that had that were similarly sized um, and similarly agile. So uh, it kind of was a result of, of a couple of different scenarios and, uh, and he can shoot. So he's got a quick release. It's not something that he struggles with. And, and by default, he would go to it as, as one of his moves um, off the dribble. And I think ultimately what he's learning and, and one of the things that we try to um, equip him with, the knowledge of knowing that a long two, although may go in for once in a while, is not valued. And this is spoken about constantly through the world of analytics, but it's not valued the same. Even a miss, it's not valued the same as shooting a three. So it, it's uh, it's something that long-winded way of saying it's it's something that he had before, something that he's learned through two years with us. The, and that kind of takes me into my next question. So I think because he had a fairly high usage rate, but I know you guys used him in a lot of different ways. Like he was on the ball a lot, but he definitely played some off ball as well. Yep. When you see when other teams call you, and um, you know, Jordan, so much of the offense and, and I think a lot of the responsibility is on him to either create for himself or to create for others. If there's another team that drafts him and says, hey, listen, you know, we, we want you to play off ball, at least early on. Do you think that's going to be a struggle for him? Um, I know his catch and shoot numbers are, are pretty good for the most part. But do you think because he's he's used to having so much of the on ball responsibilities for you guys, do you think he'll struggle with that um, once he's in the league? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't think he will. Uh, I say that for a couple of reasons. I think one, he's young, he's very moldable. Um, and, and usually when, when I speak about him as it relates to the NBA, um, I think it's important to acknowledge that the COVID year for young players was really challenging in terms of their growth because the coaches didn't have the same amount of time, the summertime, the preseason time to work with them as, as they would in a normal year especially some of these guys that are like literally coming out of nowhere. And then all of a sudden um, being a potential NBA player. Uh, and so I think that he's moldable. That's the point. And I think that uh, I, I, I do often say that his catch and shoot ability is much stronger than he gets credit for due to the fact that he had to do a lot for us. Um, our situation uh, the circumstances, we had some unusual circumstances. Um, our, our 
his first year, we lost our point guard. And then we had another player that led the, the league in scoring, actually. His name was Ryan Daly. He actually then went down as well. So we only had like one and a half in terms of a primary ball handlers. And so you got the first year where he's just essentially trying to do whatever he possibly can do for us to win. And then this past year, we actually asked him to score a little bit more, um, which kind of led to the higher usage rate uh, because we weren't sure how much we were going to get out of certain players. And, and we fortunately for him, we had a freshman point guard that had a, a great first year with us that allowed us to push him off the ball. And as you mentioned, his catch and shoot numbers are good. He's a, he's a very good shooter. He's a very good shooter. Mechanics are strong. It's quick. His follow through his release. It's all there to be taken and pushed forward. Uh, But because of our roster makeup, he didn't really get opportunities. He didn't get clean ones either again, because like he was our primary guy in so many ways, Uh, but he could shoot. His mechanics are there to shoot. So, you know, he's prepared because of, and I'll keep reverting back to this. He is, he's very fortunate. He would acknowledge the good fortune of having coach Lang in his ear. He's prepared to be an off the ball, second side, third side playmaking guy that can essentially get a kick out, make the quick decision, whether that be shoot, whether that be pass, whether that be pass, follow up for pick and roll. You know, I think his ability to pass will ultimately be what keeps him around. Um, because, uh, you know, you see guys similarly sized that can pass, i.e. a guy like Derek White, for example, with the uh, with the Celtics. But, um, you know, I don't think that he'll have as much trouble as maybe most may think. And, and ours was just circumstantial. Okay. Because me and Jeff, yeah, because me and Jeff were talking a little bit before you came on. And because we, we obviously watched a few games of his and yours before preparing to talk to you and we were like, we haven't really seen Jordan on any like mock drafts or anything or any big boards. And, you know, he's looks like a, an NBA player, you know, he's yeah. big, he can yep. pass, he can, his shooting numbers are, are good three and on bit on high volume. He averages uh six, three point attempts per game. I noticed you guys as a team, you take a lot of threes too. We do. I, I think he creates a lot of them from what yeah. I watched. Um, why do you think he's, you know, why do you think he's not on anybody's board? Yeah, I was actually talking about that today a little bit with some of our staff uh, because I came across one one yeah. of the Sports Illustrated top 100 lists or something along those lines. Oh, I didn't um, know. Yeah. I think that um, he's a little bit still of an unknown as to, like, where he fits uh, as it relates to the NBA. I think that people want to know what position he can defend. People want to know what position he would would be on offense you know would he be a wing would he be denzel valentine like what where where does he fit so i think there's a lot of unknown there um i also truly believe that if our record was a little bit better i think if 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 we were more you know three or four games above 500 as opposed to you know ultimately our record was was six or seven games below 500 I think the outlook as to what he can provide would be a little bit different. And it was unfortunate, but we had a bunch of close games that just didn't go our way. So, um, you know, I think that's where people, at least from the feedback we've gotten is people are trying to figure out where does he fit? Right. And we were talking to Matt McKillop from, from Davidson about Hung Jung Lee. Yeah. 
And I think we didn't really see a lot of him in uh, big boards either. And we were really high on him as a prospect too. We really like what we saw from him. And so I think it, there's a little bit of like small school, whatever you want to say, like with the NBA, we say small market bias, yeah. sm- anti-small market bias. But I, I think it's a little anti-A10. Like they look more towards the, the bigger schools with this stuff with some of the boards. But so you just need I to agree look. with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I, there's a little there's, there's a little game to be played as well. I mean, because I think sure. Hyundai League is a pro. And so yeah. is Coach Lang. I mean, he's been there. So, you know, he's a pro. Yeah. Like like both both these guys are, I think. And his, yeah, yeah, I think Jordan's mid range game, like we talk about analytics all the time, but the mid range game, like we just watched the Phoenix Suns and the idea that the mid range game isn't something that interests a team anymore when you watch Chris Paul and Devin Booker dominate a game and move on to the NBA finals. I think a kid coming in and knowing how to shoot the mid range is just something that's going to appeal to a lot of teams like CJ McCollum with new Orleans too. look how important he is to a team. I think the mid range is huge. Now I really do. It is. It's you, you fight the uphill battle of analytics. That's the only deterrent and analytics. I mean, these organizations have MIT grads studying every moving part of, of the data world. But I think Jordan will have success. I think he needs a veteran team. I think a veteran leadership would, would really help him uh, grow as a professional. And I think that uh, I think ultimately we'll probably uh, play somewhere in the two, in the two way game a little bit and try to mm-hmm. figure out, He's going to have to keep growing. He's just young. He just has a great skill set. People are going to have to build on his body, his shoulders, and try to get him stronger. Uh, but again, in watching the Celtics-Bucks game, I go, okay, well, he might not be as agile, but there are similarities there. And, um, you know, if, if you really hone in on developing, like I said, his body, his, his mind, and his, his skill set, like he's got a lot to work with. And there's no stigma about, being like, oh, this guy's going to play a year in the G League anymore. Look at how many guys in the playoffs right now started in the G League. They're yeah, so, like, the Warriors, for instance, I was talking to someone today about how well the Warriors use their G League. And they they had Kaminga, obviously, in the G League this year for a little while. They, if he ends up, like you said, if he ends up with the right organization, he's just going to flourish, I think. Yeah, that's what we hope. We hope. We have a, we, we're very lucky at St. Joe's. We have a, a underrated list of of NBA players, drafts, non-drafted that are on rosters right now. And, and to your point, like the Miami Heat just had this oh. amazing article about non-drafted players and the success rate. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, uh, I should have brought this up with you earlier. I completely, if my brother would kill me, if I didn't bring this up, he went to Joe's. Oh, he did. Gra- graduated in 2016. He's a diehard fan. Oh, he yeah, great. Listen, well, he's probably up. not thrilled with me right now, but we're we're <laughs> no. we're we're coming around. All right, we're coming around. <laughs> no, he wanted to. Uh, he said to make sure to tell you. Uh, he wanted to be on record as saying that Eric Reynolds is going to be. Uh, I think he said first team all A10 next year. That's yeah, what, that's, that's what well, we thinks. sure as hell hope that's the case. I mean, he that that's the kid that helped Jordan really move off the ball. He's a stud. He's a stud. He's a great kid. He represents the university the way that we all hope and want him to. So, yeah, I, I tell your brother, if he's right, then we'll be yeah. just fine. This is the one podcast episode of ours that I think he'll for sure listen to. <laughs> <laughs> he loves, he loves you guys. He loves Joe's. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> 
That's yeah. great. That's awesome. We need, we need as much emotional support as possible because uh, our players do work hard. And Eric Reynolds, we need him to feel the love. Yeah. That's how I got into supporting the A-10. And just, I watch a bunch of A-10 now because him hey, A-10's great basketball, man. Davidson hey, and, yeah, Bonnie's too. My grandfather yeah. went to Bonnie, so I watch a bunch of Bonnie's basketball. The A-10's just great basketball. Yeah, it's good. It's a good league. It is. Underrated mm-hmm. league. There's 15 teams in it now with a little Chicago they they jumping they're jumping into this uh it, it's a it's a large multifaceted um league of basketball but yeah even bonnie's they get two north jersey kids bringing yeah. it in mm-hmm. yeah when nice. i was in college i think uh gw was really you know they, yeah. they kind of had a stranglehold on on the league for a bit but yeah, it's very nice good. to see that the parity is there you know i mean like they're like chip said there's there's a bunch of good teams there not at all they're a multi-team uh, bid league for a long yeah. time now yeah, yeah I mean, we sure. hope that if multiple guys get get their nba opportunities you know hung, hung jung lee is, is a special shooter um that had an unbelievable career at davidson we hope jordan's versatility um and ability to to do things as a passer at his height you know we we think he'll get drafted we do believe that he'll land somewhere and we're excited for him Coach, another thing I wanted, um, just in terms of, of uh, uh, talking about Jordan in areas where he can improve, um, you know, I know at his size, and it's interesting that when we started talking about him, you know, the passing is is the thing that stands out. Um, you know, you watch the tape, and it's like these one-hand snap passes, you know, across the court. It's so effortless to him when he gets into the teeth of defense, the wraparound passes to the big. These are things that I feel like you watch and they, and they jump out um, to you. But um, one thing that I, I'm sure scouts and, and people would love to see him maybe do a little bit more of is, is getting to the line a little bit more at his size. Um, is there anything from the two years that you guys worked with him that, you know, uh, tried to increase that maybe, you know, getting him to draw more contact, get into the line, or it could just be a, a function of, you know, he already does so much for the team. And it's like, you know, he's got such a large responsibility from a playmaking and scoring standpoint that maybe couldn't focus on all of the finer details of like his individual game. Yeah. I mean, so some of the things that, uh, that we, we really focus on as it relates to Jordan. Really we're centered around um, making the, the best decision, which which tried to limit his turnovers. Um, we have a, a really good player development system, I would say, for for the collegiate model. Uh, we're, we're, we have a big staff. We have a, a, a athletically equipped staff, people where we're, we're constantly putting our players in game-like sim- situations. Uh, specific to Jordan, a lot of it was catching the ball off of a pass, sweeping to the rim, trying to figure out how to navigate multiple bodies around him. And a lot of the times he reverted to a back pivot um, as opposed to just jumping through the contact. And, you know, we also worked a lot on teams switched on pick and rolls. So he never really had a clear path to the rim. Um, And and that's where – you know, the COVID year hurt him from from just one extra year of us being able to develop his finishing package, more or less, uh, his finishing skill set, using his body, his six foot eight frame, 
Uh, he's worked hard on his body. Uh, after his freshman year, he got this feedback that he needed to be stronger. So in order to be stronger, he had to kind of cut some of the fat. And then um, with, with the new body fat percentage now build on, onto that. So he's got a leaner frame um, and he's got a body that I think can ultimately get stronger and then absorb some more contact, absorbing okay. the contact would then allow him to get to the line a little bit more. And another thing on um, it's, it's not the same topic, but you know, it, it's tough. You never know how much of this is a, a trend or um, something that maybe you guys uh, as a coaching staff focused on. And I want to choose my words carefully because I think it's very clear when I watch Jordan play that he plays with a lot of passion. And I think he plays with a lot of, he holds himself to a high standard. I think there were some times I would watch games and, I might see, you know, if, if there was a teammate that didn't catch a pass that he threw or didn't finish maybe an assist that he had, body language maybe a little bit down, um, you know, a little bit kind of like hands up in the air or things like that. Is that something that you ever spoke with him about? Um, am I maybe, you know, if I'm watching four or five games, you guys play 30 games in a season, am I right. maybe just um, not seeing the the other parts of him being a a teammate that, that you guys ultimately see on a, a day in and day out basis. Yeah. I mean, I think a part of, of what you see is his competitiveness. Um, and then another part is really just his, his age and, and learning to be again, a point guard for us. And, you know, the best point guards, obviously the ones that are on display right now in the NBA playoffs seemingly don't get rattled by absolutely anything. And for Jordan, that's part of his growth part of his growth is really just in the, in the maturation world of, of just recognizing that not everything's going to be perfect. There's going to be adversity within a 40 minute game. Um, and I think the other part of it, truth be told was he got uh, tired. <laughs> I hate to make an excuse for him. If you asked him and he was the fourth person on this call, he would tell you right now that I made zero excuses for him as a player, uh, as a person, I hold him to a high standard, but I do think like the ultimate usage rate, kind of carried into his emotional ups and downs. Um, and we were at our best when he was locked in and nothing really bothered him. Uh, but that's something that he's going to continue to grow. And I think like he's got the heart to, to be a good teammate and our guys, our, our, our players do care and, and do like Jordan a lot. He's a very competitive person. He's got a competitive spirit, but you know, as many young players, they experience some element of adversity on the floor. Some handle it better than others. Um, and what he's learned and is still learning is the NBA watches everything and they know, they know everything. They ask about everything and they are very in tune with the elements of, of the game that ultimately can be the deciding factor, whether you stick it out in the league or you don't. Yeah, whenever we talk to an assistant coach about a player, they're always like, the NBA talks to every single Everybody. person yeah. on our staff about everything. Yeah, there's, there's no rock unturned. They can't. Yeah. It's, it's too big of a business. And the people that work in that world are, are experts. Literally, yeah. they're experts. So there's not anything that they're going to do that would uh, almost jeopardize that expertise. I guess along yeah. that line, um, what would you say is maybe – the, the biggest question that teams are asking of Jordan, whether it's uh, on the court or, or off court? 
I mean, everyone asks about his, uh, his habits. What are his habits um, on a daily basis? And, you know, within practice, outside of practice, does he work on his game? Is he, is he passionate about basketball? And that's, that's a consistent question uh, that I'm asked. And, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that I, I respond in saying is centered around that, like he, he's very passionate about basketball and he wants to be as good as he can possibly be as a basketball player. And so, you know, there's, there's windows of time as a coach where you can identify, um, you know, the outlook of a player. And some of it is in practice. Some of it is when you, you, you don't have a practice parameter set and, and the guys are still in the gym. So he, he's constantly looking to uh, improve his skills. He loves being in the gym and he loves to compete. You know, I think uh, the, the more that people will, will pour into him, the better chance he has to ultimately become the player that I think everyone sees that he can be. You know, I think he's going to have some, you know, he, athletically he's not going to all of a sudden come down the lane and just, you know, dunk on somebody. That's you know. not going to be what he does. But at the same time, he can use the skills that he has and, and become a very versatile basketball player. He plays a very smart game. A very every every video you watch of him and every article you read about him, they're like, oh, he plays an old man game. That's what they all say. He yeah. backs you down in the pick and roll, and it looks very like he looks like a Villanova player, like the way Jay. Yeah, Ray and ran well, his we we yeah. Coach Lang is is a Villanova. He's a Coach yeah. Wright disciple, so mm-hmm. we we have um, some similarities there. And and most people, you know, just because of the region compare him to Kyle Anderson. That is like the immediate yeah. comparison. I, I don't see it that way. I, I see him, as I mentioned before, more of like a Denzel Valentine. Okay. I, I coached against Denzel when he was at Michigan state. Um, and, and they, they share a lot of physical similarities. Uh, you know, he was a little bit more emotional, but he was a four-year player and there was a lot more games that he was able to play, but the, 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 the body type, the makeup, and ultimately the stat stuffing element that they both kind of bring to the table and what they'll do in the NBA, I think will be similar. Yeah, led the team in points, assists, and almost led the team in rebounds. How did that, you don't, I mean, technically he's like a, a forward. He's listed as a guard, I think, but he's basically a forward. He's six eight. You don't typically, though, a guy who is listed as a guard, you don't see him average. I think it was 6.7 rebounds. You don't yeah. see him average that many rebounds. Is there any reason that that worked out that way? Or yeah, is- you know, it's really, he is tall. He's six foot eight. Yeah, he's yeah, legit. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of the times he's not defending the point guard. So he's usually right. defending a wing or a forward and he's closer to the rim and he's got good instincts in finding the ball off the rim and he's tall. He's got good mm-hmm. hands. I mean, Early on in our recruitment process, that was one of the first things we noticed. His hand-eye coordination is is really high level for a high school kid, and that's only going to get better as he gets older. So uh, he can see the ball clearly off the rim, and and again with his height, he just goes and gets it, and he's more up the floor. Yeah. Chip, do you have um, any any more for Coach Griffin? I think I'm I'm almost just just about out here. I I mean I. The one question I knew I needed to ask, or my family would, would give me grief <laughs> for, I, I hey, we need I to connect after this because yeah. I, I got to get your brother a shirt, I got to get your family. I'm gonna get oh, some man. Gear, man. that would be awesome! <laughs> oh, that we would have, be great. We have this like Hawk Hill basketball attached to every, uh, every basically piece of garment that we give out, and it's an incredibly popular item because St. Joe's 
you know, has always considered itself to be Hawk Hill, but it's never been put on display like the way we do it. We have it on our uniforms and we have a bunch of different uniforms to really bring attention to a special place that we all love. So I didn't graduate from St. Joe's both My parents did. My father was the head coach at St. Joe's from 1990 to 95. So I'm attached to it. I don't have a degree from there, but um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to hear that your brother still hold some passion. And I, and I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm sending him some gear. Come on, man. We got to get, Coach, we got to get people perfect. in here. That's great. He would Quickly love that so much. One yeah. of our favorite guests. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Get, get, get your Knicks back into the playoffs, man. You won't need me. Oh man. Oh, listen from, from your lips to God's ears, man. Uh, I mean, come on. Um, but I guess, uh, let me think I, one more, you know, regarding Jordan, um, you know, what, what do you think he is working on this summer? Uh, and what, if you can speak to this and maybe you can't, um, what, what is his schedule going to be like tree pre-draft, you know, in terms of like combines that maybe he's attending. Um, and I guess just, just overall, yeah. what's the biggest thing he's trying to work on? So right this? now he is, uh, he's working with, um, uh, like his agency he signed with Octagon. So he's working with his agency. Um, and I think they're really focusing on catching the shoot. I really do think they're focusing on, on the shooting part of his game, the consistency of it. You put him in a drill setting right now, you gave him 53s. I mean, I've seen him make 47. So he's got that type of, of mechanic, I don't know, mechanical consistency. Um, they're probably going to continue to work on some elements of the defensive side of things. You know, people, I think only, uh, publicly think that development is, is offensive related. There's, there's absolutely, um, a, a part of the development side that's defensive related. And so he's going to continue to grow in that world. Um, before I think he got invited to the G league, uh, combine, I think he maybe will have one or two workouts prior. Um, I'm not sure the specifics as to who they're with, but, uh, I know that, uh, he's, he's, he's been working since, since he started. And uh, I think the G league combine will be a good opportunity for him to showcase his skills. Yeah. I, I, I'm, he's a very, very interesting prospect for a, a lot of different reasons. Um, super interested to see uh, how things shake out. And, and I think as Chip said before, whatever happens, I mean, you, you definitely see with a lot of players that the G league is an avenue that uh, can get you noticed um, and you can help a team, you know, very quickly. Um, so, you know, regardless of what route he eventually goes, I have no doubt that some team will take notice and say, Hey, there's a six, eight guy who can shoot pass and handle like, you know, we, there's no shortage of guys that you need, um, on a court, but, um, listen, coach Griffin, thank you so much for yeah, my pleasure today. You know, we really appreciate it. Uh, definitely best of luck to you and yeah, thank you. in the future. And uh, yeah, we'll be interested to see. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, me too. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank, thank you, you very much. much.